The following is a production of Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. We're the Sixers podcast presented by Best in World Sports. My name is Brown. We got a lot to talk about this week. On Monday night, the Sixers lost to the Indiana Pacers 101 to 95. They are now 25 and 16 on the season as of Tuesday. A lot of good, a lot of bad. They lost a game, so there's pretty much there's more bad than good. All right. The third in the Atlantic Division, three and a half games behind Boston. Although they've beaten Boston three times this year. They are sixth in the East, 10 games behind Milwaukee, although they've beaten Milwaukee this year. Right now, this loss leaves a lot of questions surrounding this team. Season's not going the way it's planned. A lot, of, a lot of issues with this team. First question, where does this blame lie? Where does the blame lie for where our Sixers are right now? Is it the players? Is it the coach? Do you blame the front office? Do you blame Elton Brand? Do you blame ownership? We've trusted this process for years. Now a lot of people in this city are wondering, have they screwed the process up? This team was committed to building around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. A lot of fans in this city are asking if that was a mistake. Or could it just poss- or could it possibly be that this team has failed to properly build around its stars? This summer, the decision was made to build around defense. Right now, Sixers opponents are scoring 106 points a game. In order to build around defense, they had to sacrifice some offense. Right now, the Sixers are scoring 109 points a game. If you watch the games like I do, and I know you do, you realize this team clearly misses J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler. Especially in these last couple of games, where they've lost, what, six in a row on the road. Right now in their last 10 road games, they're 2-8. and eight. You all know the saying, in the NBA, everybody makes a run. That's absolutely true. That's the truth. That's the God honest truth. Everybody in the NBA makes a run. Problem with the Sixers are, they have nobody to hit a shot down the stretch to stop an opponent's run. That used to be Jimmy's job. That used to be JJ's job. They're gone now. Josh Richardson has not become that dude yet. He's not that guy. He's not the guy hitting those run-stopping jumpers, those run-stopping shots down the stretch. Tobias Harris, he's had some good moments. 
He's had some good moments, but he has not had enough. He has yet to prove that he is that guy to hit those shots down the stretch. So they're jumping out the leads. Other teams are making runs, and the Sixers do not have the firepower to hold leads. Monday night's game was an example of that. Let me bring in my partner from Offense, Defense, and Discourse. You can hear that podcast every week right here on Best in the World Sports. From the Lance J Radio Network, let me bring in Mike Jones. Mike, what's good? Oh, man, that was a real downer listening to you just now. It's the truth. Unfortunately, it is the truth. But I have a question for you because this is something I've wanted to ask of you, honestly, for the last 24 hours. In your opinion, are the Sixers a bad team or are they just playing badly? In my opinion, the Sixers are a very talented but somewhat flawed team. Mm Mm-hmm that is playing inconsistently. Because you'll see them in stretches play very good, or, and you'll see them in stretches play very bad basketball. So I, I, it's hard to say they just, they're just bad, because you'll see them for half a game, three-quarters of a game, play a very good brand of basketball. You'll see it sometimes for games at a time. But you're just as capable of seeing the opposite from this team for games at a time. And I think, honestly, the reason why I ask you this question is because you you and I, we work the same way. And we get, you know, we take our cues from the public. We take our cues from the fan base. And when you're a team that's now lost six straight on the road, when you're a team that's mm-hmm. lost – that that has lost eight of your last ten road games. When you look at the standings and you see you're in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference playoffs, you see, like you look at the standings, you see sixth in the East. This was a team a lot of people thought would be there at the end. You and I have talked about this team contending for the East at the end, and honestly, it's not like that just can't happen. Like I said, you look at you look at the standings, you see sixth place. You look up at the standings at the teams in ahead of the Sixers right now. These are all teams that the Sixers have beaten at some point in time this year, including the Boston Celtics, who they've beaten three times, including Milwaukee, who they beat on Christmas Day, including Toronto, including Miami and Indiana. They have beaten them all. Yet here they are in sixth place, and they can't get out of their own way on the road. Like I said... We take our cue from social media. We take our cue from the fan base. And there are a lot of people who are looking at this 76ers team right now and saying, you know what? This ain't a good team. This is a bad team. And it's like out of the fear of being called like an apologist or looking at the big picture with rose colored glasses. I want to be realistic. But reality says, hey, you know what? We talk about this team sometimes like they have 25 losses and not 25 wins. That's not to say that it's perfect. We know it ain't perfect. We wouldn't be where we are right now if it was perfect. But is it wrong to say, hey, man, there are some positives that you can take from this current team? The team has a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. There are... A lot of players 
that if you're building a winning team, you happily, happily have on your team. Several of them likely starters. There are many positives to take about this team. But for some reason, they don't seem to be able to gel together. If you look at the, this is a situation where the sum, the sum of the part is greater than the whole. Where, like, if you look at each piece individually on paper, when you put it together, you think you would have a better situation than you do. Defensively, they are a team that is very capable of locking down the opposition. However, the hardest way to play defense is after a turnover or a missed bucket. The easiest way to play defense is after a made bucket. You have a chance to get back and get set. So when they turn the ball over at the rate they do and have the offensive issues they do, you're taking away from your strength. To maximize your defensive ability, you need to be a more offensively efficient team. So that would lead me to this question. This team decided they wanted to make their calling card defense this offseason. They worked Mm -hmm. to get themselves better defensively this offseason. And unfortunately, it came at the expense of offense. Jimmy Butler is gone. J.J. Redick is gone. Those are two guys that you could count on to make buckets on a daily basis, to score points, to run to run an offense. As much as we complained last year about the Embiid Redick dribble handoff, it was efficient offense that got us points. And that's an aspect of the game that we don't have as much. We're not scoring like we score. No, let's, let's take a step back for a second. Okay. Because <clears throat> now the Reddick stuff, I, I I know you what you, you praise what Reddick did on the offensive end, but Reddick was such a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. Teams would literally target him on the other end of the court. Agree. Agree. So it. It's not a situation where have where having Reddick out there really makes it better. He is at a stage in his career where he cannot defend NBA caliber players on the perimeter. Okay. So that's not a. If you were to insert JJ Reddick into the into the lineup right now, it wouldn't necessarily be a net plus. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, there's one glaring flaw on the offensive end. And until something is done about that, you're going to continue to have the problems as a team you have, no matter what you try to do to fit around it. Okay. And something tells me that has been the elephant in the room for a lot of Sixers fans. In your opinion, what, mm-hmm. is, what is that issue? Because I know people like to argue and say this is not true, I'm going to go through this step by step, okay? Okay. okay. The point guard's job is not simply to dribble the ball up court. The point guard is essentially the quarterback of your offense. You are out there to direct, 
the offense. You call the plays. You, you initiate the offense. You make sure where players are where they need to be for where the offense, for the offense to work. And you have to make sure everyone is spaced properly. Our point guard does most of that. But the, he does not space the floor. And without spacing the floor, you create a situation where the defense is able to essentially guard four people with five guys playing on the perimeter, which is where the point guard usually is. Your point guard's not a threat to do anything but pass. So that leaves you with two options. Either Ben Simmons is not the point guard or Ben Simmons is not on the team. Oh, I guess you have a third option where Ben Simmons becomes willing to shoot and space the floor. Now, you sent me a text after the game last night. Kind of, I, I, I chewed on it, <clears throat> thought about it. Kind of took my time to get back to you on it because I wanted to talk to you today on the show. You sent me a text. Mm-hmm. Why don't you inform the people what you said in that text? Because it was a very simple text. I said, I don't know who, but somebody is getting traded. Who do you think that would be? If the Sixers made a move, what kind of move would they make? What would, and if you were, I'm giving you the GM hat. What move would you make if you were the Sixers? Oh, those, those are two different questions. Okay, answer them both. Because if you ask me what kind of move I think the Sixers will make, I think they make smaller moves to bring in 3 and D type guys to fit around their core pieces. I don't think the Sixers, this year at least during the season, are looking to move any core pieces, especially anyone in their starting five, or I would add, probably Thibel to that list as well as a guy they're not looking to move this year. So that essentially leaves you with smaller moves based on moving role players and draft picks to bring in support pieces. That can work out for you. It could. But I still have doubt. Now, if I were the GM to answer question number two, I'm probably calling the Pelicans to see if I can make a deal with them. Calling the Pelicans. Who are, who on the Pelicans are you get, are you trying to get? There would be two pieces on the Pelicans I'd want to get. And it'd be interesting to see what exactly I'd have to give up to make the money work. Because the two, the two players, one of them is still on a rookie deal, and the other is a veteran. That would be Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday. Oh, boy. Okay. So, Brandon Ingram has not got his extension yet, so he'd have to be paid in the offseason. But if you do it through a trade, you acquire his bird rights, and you are able to pay him. You have the advantage in looking to pay him. You have him paired with Embiid, probably on the best team he's been in his career. I doubt he'd want to leave. Look- I'm looking to bring in Ingram, mm-hmm. and I'm looking to bring in Drew Holiday with him, who's a veteran making some money. 
which means I have to get a rumpet someone making some money. Most likely Ben Simmons. So you're ready to part with Ben Simmons. Is that what you're saying? It's not that I want to part with Ben Simmons. But if I'm I'm thinking about the way this team is built, if if they want to win, they have to do things differently than what they're doing right now. So Like I said, if Ben's not willing to do what he needs to do to make the combination, the pairing with Embiid work, as talented as they both are, you can't continue with that pairing. Why has it been so hard, in your opinion? Why has this been so hard? It seems obvious to everyone who watches the Sixers that it's not even about Ben necessarily making a bunch of three pointers. Like he does no we we know and understand he does not have to be Seth Curry or Seth Curry, Steph Curry, Dell Curry. He don't need to be anybody in the in the Curry family. But it seems obvious to everyone who watches and cares about the Sixers that he at least needs to shoot more jumpers. But see, here's the thing that really baffles me. Mm -hmm. And the brief we have seen him shoot, he's been fairly efficient. He's, what, two of five from the three-point line this year? That's 40%. Mm -hmm. Most guys in the league, if they're 40%, they keep firing. I don't know anybody who wouldn't at 40%. It's like... that's a good number in the NBA. That's above league average. I, I don't get it with Ben. And this is what I don't I don't seem to understand. Because although it's maddening and frustrating to fans, just based on out just on perception and what I am seeing and hearing from the actual team, I don't necessarily get I don't necessarily get the notion that they're frustrated with him. But more, it's more about I would, disappointing. I would disagree. I would disagree. If you listen to the players talk over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. in, in their press conferences and post-game interviews, you hear a lot of guys talking about how they're not being used right or it's little things like that, which most people think is about the coach. But a lot of that could be about the point guard, the type of positions and type of situations he's getting them the ball in where a defender is dropping back and cheating on them, helping over, because they can, they can leave off of him. Well, that could easily be what they need as well. well I, so I wouldn't I necessarily understand. say that there's no question. Well, I will say this. I don't think it's necessarily taking shots, question. but I think that it's people – more, it's more encouraging. Like, hey, man, we know you can do this. We believe you can do this. We need you to do this. Not, hey, man, you you, you messing this up. Like, I, and that's where I say I don't necessarily not, feel like I'm it's frustrated. Sure. That's why I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure they, I'm sure they like the guy off the court, but mm-hmm. on the court, if you're not helping me win, that's frustration. These guys are pros. I'm a, Al Horford's not. Young, mm-hmm. MV 
is not really young anymore. He's he's still he's not old basketball wise, but at twenty six, you're not you're a veteran in the mm-hmm. NBA. Josh Richardson, he's been around for a few years at this point. They're veterans. These guys are at points where they want to be taking advantage of their prime years and competing for titles. And, and, and you have, have the one guy who is the most, most talented team who seems like he's holding back almost. That would frustrate me. Even if I love you as a person off the court, mm-hmm. I'm as a, on the court, I'm frustrated with you because it's it's not your first year anymore. It's not your second year anymore. You're used to the NBA. It's time to start doing it. Giannis Antetokounmpo is not a was not a good shooter for years. He's improved, but do you know how he improved? By shooting more, keep shooting. You can't improve if you don't shoot more. And I think, and I've and I've had this thought since last year in the playoff, where I think Joel Embiid, whether intentionally or not, kind of alluded to it and saying that Ben Simmons didn't want to hear the booze if he missed. Ben Simmons for the large majority of his life has been so great at so many things on the court and never actually been forced to shoot. So on some level, there may be a fear of failure and a fear of not being great at something, which is a mental block he's just going to have to get over. I said earlier, I talked earlier about, you know, how we've, been trusting the process and I'm sure at this point a lot of there are a lot of people who don't want to hear about that anymore there are a lot of people who are past it like hey man the process is dead it's now you know it's win now personally I have said time and time again that the process will be over when this team wins a championship that was the goal the goal was to build a championship team not a, you know not just a championship caliber team the goal was for the 76ers to be, build a team to win a championship but the process was predicated on the long game it was about patience my question now as as the frustration with ben simmons grows are we now past the point of preaching patience? Is patience time over? If you're thinking long game in a championship, you're still adding talent. They're more talented now than they were two years ago. I do still think they are capable of contending in the East this year, as is. So I don't want to make it, make it seem like we're talking about a bottom feeder in the league. No, a team that they're not a lottery team. No, not at they all. Are, but pe- but you know how people are. are. On the road. Yeah, and no, that I, is a problem. Uh, no, I understand that. But like I said, there this team as of Tuesday, this team has twenty five wins, and there are plenty of people in this town talking about this team like they have twenty five losses. You still look up at the standings and you see teams. This team has wins against. This team has beaten Milwaukee, beaten Boston, beaten Toronto, beaten Miami, 
beating it either. But I think what, what the frustration is, now that, that is all true, but they've also lost to Indiana, yeah, yeah. who is now a higher seed. And they lost. So when you're, when you're in a position where you're not in a top two, top three seed, and you're losing all of your road games, seven and 14 overall, mm-hmm. six in a row on the road, and you're sitting and looking at being a lower seed once you get out the first round right now. If chalk holds in the first round, second round, you're a road seed. It's a bad situation. And this is not me saying, hey, man, it's all good. There are no problems. I'm just saying, look, the sky ain't necessarily falling. Something needs to change. Something has to be different. Okay. You know, I, I, I agree with you. Now, I, and, and I'm in the same boat as you where it's like, I, I don't, they're not breaking up this team. This team is Ben Simmons and this team is Joel Embiid. That's not going to change, at least not this season. Off season might be a whole different story. But Ben Simmons ain't walking out that door this season. Neither is Joel Embiid. And we're seeing, you know, we know what this team lacks. And whatever they do this year might end up, you know, it might just be a stopgap. Get us to the offseason, then we'll figure it out then. But as you said, this team, as currently constructed, can still go on a run. You can't say, hey, how can this team compete with the Milwaukee's and the Boston's and the Toronto's of the world when they've beaten the Milwaukee's, the Boston's and the Toronto's of the world. You know, it's unfortunately we're sitting there, we're looking at a glass. We're trying to figure out whether it's half full or half empty, but it's not completely empty. There's still plenty to drink there. Might still be thirsty, but there's still plenty to drink there. Now, you sound very optimistic, and you have reason to be. However, what was the expectation of most Sixers fans this season? Going into the year, start of the season, what was most fans' expectation? Title contention. Most fans thought... And as, as, we, stand, now as we stand, if the, the expectation was title contention, and they're looking at in the second round, that can't win on the road. That doesn't sound like title. No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But there's still time for there's still time to make a move, and there's still plenty of and basketball. To what, see, and there's still plenty of basketball to play. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, but I'm, the elephant, but the elephant in this room is so obvious, mm-hmm. and so obvious with this thing that. that your two best players won a actual dominant inside presence and the other a transcendent multi-talented player are having a hard time figuring out how to work together so do so my, so my question to you is now is that if that is the case is that now on coaching do you put that on coaching? Is coaching the problem and not necessarily the players? All right, so your first thought is to put this on coaching, but this is not something the coach is hiding from. He was on the air local radio recently, 
and he said as much himself. He's told the player, he's told the player's parents, he's told the player's agent. He's said it to the media at this point. I want the kid to shoot. This is, I want him to do this. He's just not doing it. So maybe you need a different voice to be able to reach the kid. But at some point, at some he's got to put do it on the kid. Yeah, he's got to just just has to do it. Okay. Looking ahead, let's finish out the month of uh, January. They are home against Brooklyn, home against the Bulls. Those should both be wins. Okay. Th- then they go three on the road. They're at the Knicks, at Brooklyn, and then at Toronto. They go one and two on that road trip. Okay. They finish out the month home against the Lakers on sat- Saturday prime time game. Saturday prime time game against the Lakers. And then they finish out the month home against the Golden State Warriors. Home against the Lakers will be dependent on Anthony Davis's health. If he plays, Lakers win. If he doesn't play, Sixers win. Okay. And then Warriors should be a win. Okay. So, yeah, the okay, one so- game that it's still up in the air for me is the Lakers game, and that's just a matter of whether or not Anthony Davis is able to go at that point. Okay, over their next so that means over their next seven games, you got them winning four, hopefully five games. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not dominant, but it should be a winning record over the next few games. In the meantime, they'll continue to try and figure this out, and hopefully make some moves. You know. Some something has to give. Something has to give here. Something has to be done differently. I don't know what it is. I don't see a blockbuster trade coming. But I, you know, something has to be done differently. Only, only time will tell. Mike Jones, man, it's always a pleasure talking to you, brother. Oh, man, it was fun. Remember, you can hear me and Mike Jones actually talk in the same room with one another every week on offense, defense, and discourse on the Lance J Radio Network and also right here on Best in the World Sports. Make sure you download both of those podcasts. All right, that is Mike Jones. My name is Brown. Hey, check us out right here every week on 83 to Infinity, your sixth podcast. Talk to you guys later. You feeling this podcast? hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes.